the song in the presence of Jehovah. It's one of my, you know, I have some favorites, and maybe too many, I don't know, but I love that one because it's one that just speaks to us of being at peace. And whenever we are at peace, that's whenever we are, we are available, most available to God and to his blessing and to his power. And uh, peace brings power. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ. So to be at peace with ourselves and with life is a, is a great accomplishment. And it's not something that we do by simply saying, I'm going to be at peace. We are praying, God, I want to be at peace about this situation, about this decision, about what I'm doing, about the direction of my life. I want to have your peace about this. And what fits, I think, today is in the story of Joseph. And I don't know if I've ever, I may have and forgotten, but I've never really, that I remember, (laughs) preached on, spoken on Joseph. So today we're looking at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Joseph. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, chagrined, (laughs) I had to look, you know, anybody know what chagrin means? It means hurt, annoyed. Joseph, annoyed but noble, determined to take care of these things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. While he was trying to figure out a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus, God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. This would bring the prophets Embronic, is that right, dear? Embronic, sermon to full term. Embryotic, I think that's it, like an embryo. There we go, embryotic sermon to a full term. Watch for this, a virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. They will name him Emmanuel, Hebrew for God is with us. Then Joseph woke up, he did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary. But he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. He named the baby Jesus. (laughs) The mystery of the incarnation. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Another one of my favorites is John in John's gospel where he says, And the word became flesh and we beheld him. And the same beheld is the same I am of Moses. And John is telling us that the God of Moses, the I am of Moses, is the be of what John is saying. And we held the I am. We held him. Not only we beheld him in our eyes, but John is declaring we held the God who formed this universe. The God who spoke and the worlds came into existence. John says we held him. We held him. And so whenever we begin to look at the conception, the incarnation, we see this as the great mystery, but yet as the great revelation that comes through the word and through the spirit to us. And as we look at this today from Joseph's perspective, 
we are perhaps seeing, or hopefully that we can see, how Joseph was a very godly man. He was a man of character, and he was a man that was able to allow God's peace to be with him in a very most difficult time. Jesus was formed, we don't know exactly, but he was formed, conceived in the womb of Mary. And David, in his Psalm uh, 139, says, David admires how he himself was made in the secret place and, cur- and curiously wrought together. You know, we don't have, they didn't have the technology that we have today to know what goes on with the conception and the development of a fetus and the child. But we do know that in these days, in these times, there was a wonder about the formation of a child in the womb. And there was a declaration about how that God was with and put together and formed the child in their mother's womb. We find Mary, the mother of our Lord, espoused to Joseph, not completely married, but contracted. I'm sure some of you would love to be contracted. <laughs> not really. That you were contracted out. You were, you were espoused. You were put under contract to be married. You, know, you want to put any of these two under a contract? Husband and wife there, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you too, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to put them under contract. Uh, they're, what, Mary could have been somewhere around anywhere from 13 to 16 years old when she uh, conceived and became the mother of Jesus. And Joseph was much older. Um, he was an older man. And so it was, in, and again, in those days, being married at the age of 13 to 15 was not... Uh, that young because the average age probably was anywhere around 40 <laughs> so uh, it was it was a time in which contracts were put together and families were put together and unions were put together and not by the will of the individual but by the will of the families and so Joseph was betrothed he was under contract to this woman Mary and um, has not taken her to be his wife you see, this contract was a betrothal. It was a time period of a year, basically a time of purification and affirmation that the woman was faithful and that she had not been with other individuals. And so uh, she was in this betrothal period of which they would wait a year and, she, and then after the year of waiting, there would be the marriage. So to put the respect upon this marriage and to recommend it as an honorable one, Mary and the child would have been the outcast of her society. If Mary had not been betrothed, she would have been considered a harlot, a woman of the street, and becoming pregnant, she would have been subject to the disgrace and to the people of the village in which she would have been stoned. For her sin. And so it was that being betrothed, being uh, under contract to Joseph, and finding out that she was with child, Joseph was the one responsible to have her stoned. If she were to be stoned for her sin, it would be Joseph's doing, because he is the one who was legally bound to her. And in this idea of as we're going through the story with Joseph we begin to see the character of Joseph of not wanting 
Mary to be hurt or anything to happen to her. See, it was important that her conception should be protected by this marriage contract, but not married, that it would take two, two individuals to verify the divine nature of the child. Because not only is it Mary's word, but it is also Joseph's word that comes to play in our understanding that this child was divinely conceived. It was in this contract that would lead people to say, is this not the son of the carpenter? Instead of saying, is this not the son of a harlot? So we see that even under the contract of marriage and how that Jesus would be referred to later on, it was the son of the carpenter, Mary and Joseph, who are, the, who are people of the highest spiritual character. These are the two greatest individuals of all time in their character, in their character and their devotion to God. These are the, some of the highest people who would ever live. And it would be that character that would be deframed, would be criticized and condemned their entire life. Is not this Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, who couldn't wait for the year to be up, then she became pregnant, and how that they broke the laws? And it would be this slighting of their character to people who had no slight in their character, who had no deformity in their character, because they were the ones that were, that were devoted to God. So Joseph, the husband of Mary, would be there to guide this youthful companion, Mary, that he would be there to travel with her as her, as his par, as her partner, to help um, them live this despised life, not... Two, there were not two more virtuous individuals than Joseph and Mary. So Joseph was a just man, and she was a virtuous woman. Those who are believers should not be unequally yoked, and Mary and Joseph were together in this very virtuous people come together to be the mother and the stepfather of Jesus. Her pregnancy? Well, before they came together, she was found with child, which really was of the Holy Spirit. And the marriage was deferred, the betrothal. And in this contract time, she appeared to be with child. And the time came for before their time of marriage came about. So Mary would have began to show her pregnancy whenever she returned home from visiting uh, Elizabeth, her cousin. She was at the time that the angel came upon her and said, angel, the angel said to Mary that you are going to have a child. And, you know, how can this be? And, you know, the angel explains, well, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to conceive. And to let you know your cousin Elizabeth, who is very old in age, she also is with child. And so Mary went to be with her cousin. And when she returned from that trip, she was already starting to show. And people now began to wonder what was Mary doing before she left and what was she doing whenever she was visiting her cousin. But after her return, Joseph had some decisions to make. Mary knew the divine origin of this conception, but how could she prove it? 
How can she prove that what has happened to her is so out of the ordinary, it is only going to happen one time in all of the human race? How is she going to convince other people? And how is she going to convince Joseph, her espoused husband? How is she going to convince him? (laughs) Well, some people, and again, we don't know, but some would say that Mary didn't say a thing. Mary relied upon who she was in her character, and she also relied upon God to help in this whole situation. Because if it was going to work out, it was going to have to be God who made it work. So, if Mary would have been dealt with as a harlot, (laughs) this not a more devoted follower of God than her, she would have fallen and been accused of the worst of crimes. Yet we do not find that she is tormented about this. We do not find anywhere in the scriptures that speak that Mary is worried about what's going to happen. She's not tormented by what people are going to say, what people are going to do. She can, um, she's being conscious of her innocence. She's being conscious of what is there and she has kept her mind calm and she has committed that which is going on in her heart and in her womb. She has committed it to God who judges all things righteously. And I think of how that in our lives, how many times that there are things that get us anxious and upset that what are people going to say? What are people going to think? How is this going to happen? And what is going to make it right? And we're just going to allow ourselves to be at peace and allow the peace of God to calm our hearts and minds and that we are going to be at this place of peace because it is in this place of peace that Mary has to reside in order for God to work this out. And it is Mary who has received the conception and now she is waiting for Joseph to understand the revelation. Or will he? She doesn't know that. She only knows that which is in her is of a divine origin. So Joseph, (laughs) he is not angry. And I I, I was looking at the words around this, you know, the talk about Joseph. Joseph was hurt. He was annoyed. He was perplexed but he was not angry. (laughs) You know, the words that are associated with Joseph in understanding this whole text, he is is hurt, annoyed, and perplexed, but he's not angry. And when someone breaks a trust, (laughs) you know, when someone breaks a commitment, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I sometimes get a little upset, tiffed, you know, angry. I'm sure you don't, but anyhow, you know. (laughs) But we see this, and Joseph, nothing that is associated in this whole text uh, portrays Joseph as being this angry person. That um, So we can imagine, then, what a great trouble and a disappointment it was to him to find that the one that 
was betrothed to him, of value for him, of one that he had anticipated his life together with, was, has broken the betrothal. And this was so out of character for Mary. But you know, facts don't lie. Or do they? Facts don't lie. How many times have, how many, have you ever said that? Well, you know what the truth is. I can see it and I know what it is. And facts don't lie. <laughs> what would this have been like for Joseph? Deceived by the one he trusted. Disappointed. Crushed. Her actions are too bad to, are too terrible to be excused. Her pregnancy is too plain to be denied. And here we have this struggle going on in Joseph. One, that he is jealous for knowing her failure. And yet, the affection which he has for Mary to be her husband. So, he was not willing to make her a public example. Well, what that means is that by law, a betrothed woman as Mary was, who has played the harlot, Deuteronomy chapter 22, 23 says that she is to be stoned. That's it. That's the law. She is to be killed and executed for her sins because she was under contract to an individual and broke that contract. Therefore, she is to be stoned. But he was not willing, Joseph, was not willing to make or to take advantage of the law to somehow justify his wounded ego. He was not willing to take the law and say, this is what the law demands. The law demands because you broke this contract with me and you make me look bad, therefore you're going to die. Well, he didn't do that. Consider the obvious Joseph was considering the obvious. Mary, it's obvious. You're pregnant. You broke the contract. Now, sometimes the obvious leads us to the wrong conclusions. <laughs> sometimes the obvious leads us to the wrong conclusions. Joseph Let's back up a little bit. When the obvious leads us to a certain point, we think we can solve this on our own. We've got it here. I can see it. I can know it. I can see what's going on, and I know it. And the obvious is this is I don't even need to pray about it because I know <laughs> the obvious. But it was in the obvious situation that Joseph was in prayer, as it were. He was being the just man and the righteous man that he is, he would not have allowed this to go without taking it to God. And so bringing Mary to punishment is here called making her a public example, which shows what is the end and the aim of punishment. The end and the aim of punishment is to make an example. And here Joseph could have made her an example. Don't do the crime if you can't if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Oh, 
Hang them. It'll teach them a lesson. <laughs> Hang them. It'll teach them a lesson. You know, not only will it teach the guy who's dead, but it'll teach everybody else that they can't break the laws. We're going to teach, you see, we're going to put things in perspective here. We're going to make an example of this whole thing. Well, some even blame Joseph because he was too easygoing. You know, if he wouldn't have been such a pushover because he was a just man, not willing to expose her, he was a religious, a good man, and therefore inclined to be merciful as God is and to forgive as one that was forgiven. This is what tells us of the character of Joseph. This is what points out to us that Joseph wasn't just some pushover uh, of an individual. He was a very just man. He was a very righteous man. And even though he knew the facts and knew the things that were in front of him, because it was obvious, he was not willing to allow the obvious to dictate his actions. <laughs> the lesson for us, we're not to pass judgment on those that come under suspicion. We're not to pass judgment, but to pray for, hope for the best concerning them. Pray for the best concerning them. We don't understand. We don't know why, but you know what? We pray that God will make the best of it. We pray that God will make the best of it. No matter what it appears to be, in hopes that God may work it out for them in their life. Giving the benefit of the doubt, turning the other cheek, turning it over to God. Well, those who, found, who are found faulty will perhaps, we find out that they have been overtaken in a fault and a sin, and we pray that God would help them to understand the error of their ways. And Joseph was minded to put her away privately. That is, that she was to be given a bill of divorce. He was to sign a contract in the, in, the, in the presence of two witnesses, sign the contract, give it over to Mary, and tell Mary, go back and see Elizabeth. <laughs> go back to that place where nobody, no one knows you and have your baby there. So being a just man, that is, a strict observer of the law, Moses... <laughs> Joseph was a strict observer of the law because he was a just man and he would not pro proceed on in marrying Mary. Because for him to consent to this marriage would mean he's the father. He broke the contract with Mary before they were to be married and for him to say that it's okay for her to have the child was to say that he, being a very just man in the community, a man of esteemed character, would be defaming him. And that he was saying, well, this is really my child and I know I blew it, but no. That would, that's in his approval of Mary and getting married. So he would not allow that to happen. He didn't want his character be, to be destroyed. But he, and, and, he, and Mary broke the law. It's her character that is to be destroyed, so it's her fault. Let her pay the piper. Let her pay for it. I'm not paying for it. But you see, Joseph wasn't that kind. Matthew 1.20 While he thought on these things and knew not what to determine... God graciously directed him 
what to do. When you don't know what to do, get yourself in a place of peace with God. When you don't know what to do, get yourself in a place of peace with God. Joseph didn't know what to do. He needed direction because he was wrong in his assumption. I mean, it's obvious. She is with child. She's had an illicit, you know, sex with someone else. And she's got a child, so therefore I know it's obvious, and he has to be in a peace, a place of peace with God where he can hear what God wants to say about this. It is the thoughtful, not the unthinking, whom God will guide. God will not guide the unthinking because they are already off on their own tangents and their own perspective. When Joseph was at a loss and carried the matter as far as he could in his own thoughts and his own understanding, God came to him with the advice. (laughs) When he didn't know what to do, it was then he sat down or went to sleep, whatever, we know he came in a dream. But you see, we see here the character of Joseph. His nature was not to punish. His nature was to be merciful. That's why he is an excellent stepfather for Jesus. Well, the message was sent to Joseph by the angel of the Lord, the same angel that had delivered the the message to Mary and the conception is now the angel who comes to Joseph and gives him the message. Now the interaction, the angel appears to Joseph in a dream whenever he is asleep. And when we are quiet and composed, (laughs) when we are quiet and composed, we are in the best frame of mind to receive notice of a divine program, a divine will. It's when we have no will of our own in the situation that we have things it's so confusing. What should I do? This is, and we make up our mind, and it's like, don't make up your mind. Go to the Lord in prayer and in peace and allow God to speak. So Joseph is here directed to proceed in his intended marriage. The angel calls him Joseph. This is probably the most important part of this whole thing. Joseph. Thou son of David. The angel reminds Joseph of who he is. He is in the lineage and of the house of David. And everybody knows the Messiah is to come through the house and the lineage of David. And when we are at peace The angel, the word of God, the spirit of God comes and reminds us, David, me, you, you are of the house and the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. You and I. You are of the lineage of God. Now listen to what the word will say to you about your life and about your future. Don't be caught up in what you think you know. Be caught up in knowledge of who you are. Remind yourself that I am a child of God. That I am am a child of the highest. I have God's 
power and his presence and his love flowing through my life because of his grace, because of his mercy, his unmerited favor to, dispo- to bestow it upon my life. And, jo- jo- and Joseph has to be reminded because Joseph can be one of these humble people that says, I'm not worthy, pass me by. I'll just put her out on her own. (laughs) No, that's not humble, that's pride. The lineage, you are reminding ourselves of who we are. We are God's, we are his child. And we, I, declare now to each of us, fear not, thou son of Abraham, thou the child of God. Do not forget who you are. Never forget, never forget whose, whose, whose I am. I am his. He is mine. He lives, he and I are together in this thing. And we are the children of God, highly favored of God. Don't forget that. We are the highly favored child of God. You know what? I'm God's favorite. <laughs> but so are you. I, I said that in Sunday school, and I remember, I, I think, yeah, I said it in Sunday school. Uh, my, my mom, when she died, the uh, grandchildren, how many are there? Twelve? There's twelve grandkids. And all of them spoke at the funeral. And every one of them finished with, I was grandma's favorite. (laughs) Every one of them concluded with, they would look around and say, I was grandma's favorite. (laughs) And the next one would come up, I was grandma's favorite. Every one of them said that because grandma, my mom, made them all feel they were her favorite. And that's, that's the relationship that we have with God. Never forget who you are, whose you are. And Joseph is delivered from his fears. You see, Joseph feared, fear not to take Mary for your wife. What was he afraid of? He was afraid of what people were going to say about him and about his wife and about this child. He was so, he was such a righteous man that he knew what the talk would be. And he wouldn't allow, he was afraid of all of this. And the angel says to him, fear not. Don't be afraid of all this that's going on around you. And don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph's fears were gone. And what we have are a father, a stepfather, and a mother coming together and saying, this child is divine. (laughs) This child is divine. And that child is our Savior. That child is God incarnate. Emmanuel, God with us. He could never be Jesus the Savior God the Savior, had he not been Emmanuel, God with us. God with us is God our Savior. His name is Jesus. Amen? Let's stand. (laughs) I got a few more pages, but we'll let them go. (laughs) 
<laughs> to be continued next week. Christmas. Sunday before Christmas. Maybe we'll do Mary next week. I don't know. But isn't that, I mean, just think about, the, as I was putting this together, it's just like, you know, I was, up a, I was up a half hour, 45 minutes early today just thinking about this because of the impact of what it means to us, what it means to Joseph, and how that we, we can be so caught up in the obvious that we never hear what the Spirit is saying to us. That's an amen thing. <laughs> that we can be so caught up in the obvious, we don't know what the Spirit is saying. So sometimes we just need to be at peace with what we consider the obvious and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Because when the Spirit speaks to our heart, He will work it out for us and for others. Be at peace. Be at peace. God is at work in this. Take the obvious, set it aside, and be at peace. And let God instill his character of forgiveness and love. And we'll see the hand of God and the favor of God work in our lives. Amen? Do you believe that? Say amen. 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 <laughs> Take it home with you. <laughs>